the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences 25th Annual Academy Awards. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you are looking west on Hollywood Boulevard. Perhaps population changes have swung the motion picture industry away from this historic street somewhat, but it will always remain a little bit of nostalgia and memory, something like 42nd Street and Broadway. Here are the stands, and there is the marquee. And down there in front of the theater, there are a group of people still coming in, Tony Curtis and Janet Lee, Margin Gower champion, Leslie Caron and her husband, Mr. Hormel. Here in the Pantages tonight is the world's most glamorous audience, nearly 3,000 strong, all waiting to see the Oscars handed out. And almost all are either rooting for friends or keeping their fingers crossed for themselves. Perhaps if you look closely in there, you can see some of your favorites at the screen. Most of the nominees will be present. Some, of course, as you've heard, are in, are in New York. I see Merle Oberon sitting down there just to the right corner of the screen. Morning, welcome to the film room. <sighs> Boy, do we have a long subject to get to today. We've talked about the Academy Awards a little bit before. When I was in the hospital, we did our uh, Oscar picks, I do believe. Yeah. Uh, and or actually, we did we do our Oscar picks or did we? It was it was kind of a that and best of the year. Yeah, yeah. We did a we did an article on Oscar picks. Yeah. But yeah, we we talked about the Oscars a few times. Now let's really rip and shred. Yeah, this is not going to be a nice cast. This is, the phrase necessary evil is going to come up a lot in this cast. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of where we are on this. We're going to look at a couple of other award ceremonies, too, but as well as just the general concept of ranking art. I mean, that's kind of what I want to do today is just examine how silly the idea is. And so we're going to do this, um, but we're going to really spotlight what's wrong with the Oscars. We're going to run a diagnostic on them. And there's a lot wrong with them. But, but before we get to the Oscars, let's get to... Let's touch on another award ceremony that, because it would be asked about, we have to discuss mm-hmm. the Golden Globes. Yeah. And I'm going to say this. The Golden Globes are not quite as much of a joke as we make them out to be. They've had some really awesome choices in the last few years, especially on the TV front. Uh, they're notorious for rewarding shows that are early in their go that need the publicity. For instance, I'm going to look something up real quick. We're going to be doing a lot of research on this cast, y'all. Um, oh, yeah. But, I mean, th- they are notorious for that, for, for at least being not too bad in the TV front. Um, my theory is that whoever's making the TV decisions is act like our actual uh, TV fans. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, I mean, they've been rewarding some really fantastic stuff in some of these areas. I uh, will say it's interesting that the uh, best actors for this year, for uh, the Golden Globes for uh, drama, uh, the winners were indeed the people that wound up winning for the actual Oscars. So I think that's kind of cool. Then again, you 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 really don't get points for guessing that hey, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is going to win Best Actor, and right, it's it's almost more of a crapshoot that. Uh, but like for example, Oscar Isaac won uh, a. Uh, won a Golden Globe this year. Uh, let's see. Rachel Bloom won for uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So, yeah, they can make some awesome choices because she is amazing on that. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good show. Uh, Amanda's hooked on it. Um, so you have that going there with the Oscars that they have some good stuff. Uh, they're, they're with the Golden Globes, they'll make some good choices here and there. 
But let's face it, the real truth of the Golden Globes is they're a joke. Um, everybody always points to the famous example of Pia Zadora. If you're not familiar with this example, boy, this is a great story. Uh, she won Best Newcomer in a Drama, beating out, among others, Kathleen Turner for Body Heat. <laughs> yeah, I hope we're all rolling our eyes at that one. Um, for this movie that I have read extensively on, and it is gloriously ridiculous. How she won this award was that her husband at the time bought and paid for this, you know, this huge, lavish ceremony. You know, this thing where these people would come and see her perform for the voters of the Golden Globes. Mm -hmm. He bought them, he bought it, basically. They don't do that so much with the Golden Globes anymore, but what they do instead is the Golden Globes know that because they care about the uh, ceremony being televised, which it is on NBC... They care about having a good, you know, star turnout. So it's guaranteed that you're going to have stars nominated, even if the movies aren't very good. Um, see the notorious fiasco, uh, The Tourist getting nominations for Best Anything. Uh, best Comedy, by the way. is what, That's another thing. They have so much category fraud there, because they do separate drama and comedy. Uh, yeah. But what qualifies as a comedy can be very gray. To the point where, because uh, The Martian won this year for Best Comedy. Got news for people, that's not really a comedy. Um, yeah, so 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 the Golden Globes, they're silly, they're pointless, but they occasionally make a good call. I mean, I'll tell you this, they nominated more black people uh, in uh, acting categories than the Oscars did last year. Well, that's something. <laughs> yeah, that's something, because uh, Idris Elba did, did get a nomination for Best Supporting Actor that uh, year. Which, by all accounts, I've heard he deserved at the actual Oscars, so, you know. But we can't get into that just yet. Yeah. So. That's for later. That's for later, and boy, do we have a lot to say about that. Um, so, yeah, so, the Golden Globes, they're silly, but, I don't know, I mean, do you, do you, do you pay attention to them? I do not. I do not know... Uh, a thing about the Golden Globes, really. Like, I th I think I read somewhere that it's basically... Uh, there's no nice way to put this. It's, it's, it's even more of a masturbatory thing for Hollywood than the Oscars are. Yeah, yeah, that's just it. It, it is that. It is that. That's why you almost... That's why if you have a category... Whoever the most famous person is, they're guaranteed to be nominated. Mm -hmm. or they're guaranteed to be nominated and probably to win. Yeah. They like celebrity. They worship celebrity. They, they. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, they also, they do, however, try on their hosting. Like, they do spend money to get hosts. So, there's that. That's I good mean, at least. They, yeah, they have, uh, the, you know, they've had, uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler host. They've had um, Ricky Gervais host, famously. Oh, yeah. They've had... Yeah. Uh, and then this year they have Jimmy Fallon hosting. Oh, that's... Yeah. He's... He's... Um, yeah, he's, he's very charismatic. Yeah. He's a good MC. He, he However, sings... Which is interesting. Uh, just as a side, he sings on the uh, Hamilton mixtape album. And he... Nice. He has a beautiful voice. He, he's talented. Says, but yeah, the Golden Globes are cute, but we've already wasted too much time on them. Yeah. Let's talk about the granddaddy of them all, the Oscars. The Oscars remind me a bit of uh, ideas put forward in the movie Candyman. The idea that 
something exists because we put belief in it. Hmm. The Oscars exist because we put belief that they exist. Right. If we really and truly stopped and examined the actual impact that the Oscars have, they would not run on ABC. They would not be a multi, you know, they would not be watched by hundreds of millions of people as they were at their peak. It's not that way anymore. Um, they would not be, they might air on something like, you know, E would probably be the place they would most likely air. If we yeah. really stopped and examined the value of them as an actual thing. They are not voted on by top critics. They are voted on by the industry itself. They are the industry... Yep, that's who votes on them, is the industry itself. Yeah, they they did... There was a joke piece, one of the main joke pieces that the Oscars does on air, uh, about the how they choose films, and, uh, you know, they show, like, a lot of prominent industry people like Brad Bird and John Lasseter and um, just just a bunch of people like on the, how they select their films and uh, like I, I think the one that sticks out in my mind is Brad Bird like uh, bl- throwing throwing darts at a board blindfolded like with all the picks that's <laughs> and, pretty much how it goes yeah it's like if it's like they're joking, but uh, not really at the same time. Yeah. Go figure that it's people at Pixar that are going to be making the, j- the actual barbed jokes. Um, exactly. Let's be clear. There is no requirement for Oscar voters to have seen all of the movies. No. There is none. Uh, and a lot of times the voters are just going on what they've heard. By the way, we, we know a member of the Academy. We do, we do. We do, we do. So, yeah. So, we're we're just getting this out there that in terms of a barometer of quality, really, when you stop and examine it, they really shouldn't be any kind of barometer of quality. Because they're not, it's, it's not a quality that's set by the normal standards. It's a quality set by hype. But here's the key. People believe in them. People believe the Oscars matter. They believe that it means something when a movie wins an Oscar. They believe it means something when an actor wins an Oscar. They believe that, you know, when your average person is trying to decide what movies they're going to watch, they will notice what wins Best Picture, and they (laughs) will be more likely to see it. This is true. Yeah. They are followed. They are taken seriously. The Oscars do matter. That's that's why you often have people in the who are just as snobby as they can be about film having to discuss them because they matter. And n- no matter what we might actually think of them, they do matter. We have to discuss them. I'm not going into the full history of them because I think we're all familiar with what they are. We're all uh, they start in 1927 before television, of course. Um, they have a long history. They've long been a major event. Um, they've been tradi- traditionally they were held on Monday nights uh, hmm. because that was when there was considered the least least audiences going to the theaters. Of but they've moved to Monday night to Sunday nights in recent years. Uh, when did they start being televised? Um, pretty early on, or I, I think pretty early in the inception of t- television, actually. Hmm. Yeah, I mean. 
they were traditionally a huge ratings uh, booster, and I'm going to get to that to why they're not anymore in a little bit. But that has been a factor for them. That you know they have been that um, they they used to be held in late March, but they have moved uh, now to the end of February. In fact, Oscar night's been held on my birthday several times actually. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah um, late February, I think, is a better time for them. At the by the end of March, everybody is kind of forgetting about the movies uh, of the previous year, uh, and the season just goes on and on. So that does condense the season a little bit. That was a good move to move it back up. Yeah. So you have that going for them, and the ceremony is, of course, legendarily overlong, overbloated. Oh God! Uh, yes. It can benefit. Because they always do try to get a top-tier comedian. You know, they've had guys like um, Chris Rock hosted last year, and he's hosted several times. He's done a good job. Jon Stewart has hosted. He's yeah. done a good job. Yeah. Um, my my favorite host thus far has been Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres has done an excellent job. She's a good person to have host because she's warm, she's likable, she's funny, but she's not mean. Right. She's hosted. Steve Martin has done a great job at hosting. Uh, he's hosted a couple times. He's done a great job. Um, mm-hmm. Been razor sharp when he's hosted. Um, and another example of someone who he's liked within the industry. Um, Johnny Carson was uh, con- traditionally considered a great host. Uh, Bob Hope. You know, those were the kinds of guys. Billy Crystal is, of course, who people think of as oh, the yeah. definitive Oscar host in modern years. He's done a good job. I, I've never quite been as sold on his jobs, but that's because his style of comedy is, well, frankly, it's behind me. Legendarily, David Letterman hosted, and that yeah. didn't go well to most people, but I thought he did a fine job when I was a kid, at least. So there's that. What year did he host? Uh, 1995. Hmm, okay. I That would have been, yeah, before I really started watching the Oscars. It was just when I was starting to watch, so there was that. Um... I will say that, um, you know, a good host job is nice. Neil Patrick Harris famously kind of bombed on his hosting job. Yeah. Which was a shame. What year did he host? He hosted 2015. Or 2000. Yeah, 2015. Oh, yeah, it wasn't really for him. Um, yeah. I, I, I will say that I think um, uh, our, the, ne- the incoming host, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, I think is probably going to do a decent job. Yeah, I like Jimmy Kimmel. I, I'm surprised by how much I've come to like him as he's moved into, as he's matured. Uh-huh. He, he's actually shown that he can be, it's interesting to compare him to Adam Carolla because, mm-hmm. you know, they both start out in the same place, but whereas Carolla just continues to whine and, you know, try and offend, Kimmel has kind of settled into an elder statesman role. Yeah. And it, I continue to find it creepy to look at him now that he's lost all that weight. <laughs> yeah yeah it's weird but um he i like him i like him i think he'll do a good job i think he'll do a good job at keeping the show moving yeah. he's always traditionally hosted a post oscar show yeah he uh, has a, a, i i kind of doubt he'll do that this year <laughs> yeah he he may be he may be a bit too tired um so so anyway so that, that's kind of the the ceremony itself um before we leave that subject uh, there's one thing that I notice almost every year. Every year, except the year that Ellen DeGeneres hosted, is that the bits 
Like you're talking about, you're talking about how overbloated the the ceremony really is, mm. and uh, this is this is usually how it goes. Uh, they start off with some of the minor categories. You know, they have best songs interspersed throughout, like performances. Those are really fun, and they do like the host bits. And as the evening wears on, they do less and less and less and less of the host bits to where you rarely see the host at all. Mm-hmm. And then, and that's when they're just going, okay, we need to hurry this up. We need to get this done. We need to get through all these, all these categories. And that's typically how it's gone, except the year Ellen DeGeneres hosted, which, in which she. You know, her bits were so spectacular that, uh, like, even late in the show, it was really entertaining. Well, the thing that we have to remember is DeGeneres is a talk show host. This is what she does for a living. So she knows how to how to do this. Um, she knows how to work a crowd. And that's why I think Kimmel will probably do an excellent job. Talk show hosts are a good idea to get for hosts. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, and I, I always thought Jon Stewart did an excellent job. Um, yeah, he did. So it'll be interesting to see, um, but yeah, let's let, let's let's just one last thing too while we're on the ceremony. Uh, the com- the montages need to go. The montages need to go right now. They do. They serve no purpose. They need to just go, except for one. Obviously, the in memoriam montage must stay. Yes. But that's it. The best songs keep them because they are always fun. Um, they're always a ton of fun. Never forget it's hard, it's hard out here for a pimp. <laughs> I, I love uh, yeah we're, we're gonna get let's just uh, I'm, there's so much stuff that I need to get to so yeah. um, the last thing I'm gonna say is yeah I look forward to the best songs this year because we get to, we're probably almost guaranteed to see Dwayne Johnson performing yes performing a Lin-Manuel Miranda song I am so yes that's I, I am itching to see that movie because of I'm just I because just of Lin-Manuel so songs I hear it's great so 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 okay, so that's that's the ceremony. That's our gripes with the ceremony. Okay, let's start off by just dist- let's just start off by laying waste. Um, mm-hmm. The first thing that I want to hit on is let's just face the facts that the Oscars have become increasingly irrelevant over the last few years. That is one of the first big problems that they've been running into is they have been irrelevant over the last few years. Uh, almost rare is it for you to ever see a movie win Best Picture that was any kind of hit at the box office. Um, Argo was, and that was the last one. Uh, before that, you had to go back, um, let's see, uh, probably arguably to The Departed. Uh, no Country for Old Men did okay, but not over the top. But before that, you'd have to go back then to The Departed, which was another box office hit. Um, they almost rarely does it sync up with the highest grossing film of the year. If that does happen, it's a fluke. It is just a spectacular fluke. Uh, it may have happened with Lord of the Rings. That may have been the last time that that happened. Um, it almost happened back in 1998, but it didn't, and we're going to talk about why uh, a bit later on. Again, there's so much we have to cover. So they ignore, the. Po- they just do not give a rat's ass about the popular vote. They did famously increase the uh, uh, categories to uh, up, up to 10 movies for Best Picture, they did that in 2010. Uh, the excuse was so that like more people would care about the Oscars because they wanted to get more popular films in there. But then they just kind of dropped that pretense almost a year later. Here's what hap- Here's what really happens with that. You have 
Five movies you know are actually the real nominees due to Best Director. And then you have everything else that's obviously thrown in there. Right. I'm not saying Toy Story 3 didn't deserve to be considered up there. I'm not saying Up, up sure as hell deserved to be in the top five. Oh, God, yes. But it, but it, feels, but it feels like an addendum. Um, so... So yeah, you have that there. That uh, the 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 popular movies are always ignored. What what won in twenty ten? I forget. Let's see, twenty ten. Uh, for let's see, that would have been um that would have been uh the year of the Hurt Locker, which did deserve it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I I I would argue that the Hurt Lo- either the Hurt Locker or Inglorious Bastards should have been Best Picture that year. So oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for it to, to for it to kind of for it to go with the Hurt Locker, I'm not complaining. That's an excellent, that's a hell of a movie. Have you seen it? I have actually. That's a fantastic movie. That is okay. That movie not being a hit actually kind of pisses me off. If I can go off on a tangent, that yeah, movie yeah, not yeah. being a hit. No, no, no. I can understand the artist, and I actually come to think about it, the King's Speech did make a pretty good sizable chunk of change. Now that I think about it, I just don't. Because I, I saw it in theaters twice. I mean, though I'm on the record as having s- said hardcore that I love that movie. So yeah, the movie that's only R-rated because of one scene. But and when, it's but, it's not even that uh, it's not even that harsh. <laughs> and would you really cut that scene? Honestly, that scene is so no, wonderful. I would never cut that scene. It's great. <laughs> but okay, to go off on a tangent here, but it's one that y'all need to hear. The Hurt Locker not being a hit? No, no, no. That's on audiences. You like an action movies? I know audiences like action movies. Why the hell did they miss one of the best action movies of that year? That was an incredible, brutal, visceral action movie. Put the seriousness of it aside. It's an action movie. It's a movie about bomb technicians. It's interesting. It's exciting. It's thrilling. Why the hell did you not go see it? Ugh. I'm sorry, I can, I'm not being a snob here, I'm really trying to play to people's animal levels, because that's what the movie works on. Ugh, that movie should have been a blockbuster. It, it really should have been. It, uh, ugh, but, so, so, so we have that big problem. They're rarely hit, the movies that are hits are rarely hits. Gladiator, I think, would probably be, uh, okay, you had Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, and then really before that, I, I guess, Chicago and... Oh yeah, Gladiator did win Best Picture, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yes, it goddamn did. Wow. I hate Gladiator. I hate Gladiator. Um, I really hate Gladiator. Um, Russell Crowe won Best Actor for that. Just think about that. Ugh. And that's arguably his worst performance I've seen from him in a mainstream film. But, uh, so, so that's just it. But in recent years, it's been stuff like The Artist. A cute little movie, but come on. It's been stuff like... As I said, the King's Speech may have done okay. I don't know. Um, it, it feels like it did okay. But you've had smaller films. 12 Years a Slave was never going to be a mainstream film. Birdman was never going to be a mainstream film. I suspect uh, Spotlight was not a mainstream film. These are not movies that people went to see. Um, now, had The Revenant gone on ahead and won Best Picture, as it had a chance at doing, it did win Best Director. That would have actually broken this, because that was a hit. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio movies make money. Yeah, and that movie was great. Yeah, I still have not seen it. I need to see it. Mm, um, you do. For the record, for the record, I'm not bothered by the Academy loving Inuritu. I love his stuff. I just haven't had time to see that. Uh, 
I love Inuri too. I do. I do also want to say, um, what year? Twenty fourteen. Yeah, that's like the twenty fifteen. Uh, twenty fourteen was a great year for Oscars. Uh, like yeah. for the twenty fifteen Oscars because yeah, Birdman, Whiplash, and yeah. um, Boyhood. Boyhood. Yeah, that's up there. I just got the criteria. Three great. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's great. Uh, yeah, Boyhood's yeah. on uh, Netflix, and if you haven't seen it, for the love of God, watch it. I love that movie oh, so much. It. But here's the thing. We're the guy we're the kinds of guys that are gonna love this stuff. We're not the mainstream. So that is kind of that's kind of proving my point here just a little bit. So you have that issue. Uh where these movies, they're not mainstream movies. They're they're not, and the Academy keeps giving them to them. So they're very much out of touch with what audiences actually like. Now, I'm not saying that they should be rewarding the highest grossing films of these years. Believe me, I do not want to see a Transformers movie winning a Best Picture. No. I don't want to see a Transformers movie referenced on the Oscars. Yeah, like it has been twice at least. Yeah. Ugh. It's what I call, it's what I call the token Oscar. I think we've, we've talked about this yeah. on cast. Yes. Yeah, it, it it's, yeah. So, I mean, let's just not forget that. So, so they're definitely not in touch with the, with what audiences actually like. And that's okay. Audiences can have bad taste, but that is kind of a problem. That is dragging down their ratings. This can really be pinpointed to one Oscar ceremony in particular that highlights a lot of the problems that we're about to get into. Um, which is the, uh, Oscars of 1999 was the ceremony held in 1999. This was the year that Shakespeare in Love beat Saving Private Ryan. Oh. And this is widely considered the moment of the schism from the Oscars with the mainstream audiences. For those who are unaware, Saving Private Ryan was actually the highest grossing film of 1998, even bigger than uh, Armageddon. Yeah. And really, doesn't that seem fair? And you know, Armageddon is in the Criterion Collection. Why? Because it... To make money, to get him some money. Um, yeah, I guess I don't begrudge them for the occasional Armageddon, but still, it's like, it's just one of those, you look through the list and you go like, really? <laughs> yeah, but Punch Drunk Love is on Blu-ray because of Criterion, so, yes. Uh, so anyway, so you have that. You have this case where the movie that should have won Best Picture had everything going for it. Critically acclaimed, audience beloved... As I said, people went to see it, people were talking about it, and it went to Shakespeare in Love. Why? Because the Weinstein brothers campaigned their asses off for it. They spent so much money campaigning for that Oscar. Because Harvey Weinstein wanted an Oscar, to the point he put his name on the film as a producer so that he could get an Oscar if it won Best Picture. Wow. Audiences were mad. Um, that was, by the way, the same year that they made a number of other flubs such as Roberto Benigni winning Best Actor Oh yeah. over four guys whose names I'm not even recalling because the real person that should have won Best Actor wasn't even nominated. The famous seat-jumping incident. <laughs> yes, that was, in, that was, that was, that was, yeah. His career died in that moment, I'm just going to say that. Also, he made Pinocchio next. Um, that really killed it. Um, Pinocchio, oh, that was him? Yeah, the, the, the very ill-remembered... Uh, the the very ill-remembered, uh, one, yeah. Um, so, there was that issue, that, um, you know, because what, for the record, Jim Carrey should have won for Best Actor for that, for uh, The Truman Show. Right, yes. He wasn't nominated. 
Yes. I think he did win, he did win the Golden Globe, though. He did win the Golden Globe, but he did not... But uh, Carey has never been nominated, despite giving three Oscar-level performances. I do actually remember his Golden Globe speech, because it was very memorable. Um, uh, he said, wow, this is serious. He said, well, I guess it'll be a while before I'm talking out of my ass again. Yeah. Uh, I I really, 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 really think Carey should have won for The Truman Show. That was my favorite film of that year. That is still one of my all-time favorite movies. I, I love the Truman Show so much. That should have won. That should have won everything. But at the same time, the majority of people would have said Saving Private Ryan. Shakespeare in Love winning only happened because it was just a transparent money grab by the Weinstein brothers. And everybody knew it. And that was kind of the moment that audiences started to fracture. The next year... You had the Cider House Rules getting a bunch of nominations and even two wins when not very many people saw it. And it started to become clear to audiences at that point that, oh, oh, this is about campaigning, isn't it? This has nothing to do with quality of films. So that's kind of one of, so that's kind of, one of the big problems there is that the Oscars really and truly are about campaigns. They are a popularity contest, and it's about who runs the best contest. It's about who runs the best campaigns. Um, it's not hard to get your hands on those publicity campaigns. Yeah. Uh, side note, they're often mocked for this, but you know that studios pretty much run ads for every single movie. Yeah. Yeah. Every single movie, regardless of if it... Because that, that's what led to the famous Transformers ad, where... One of the Transformers movies had an ad where they said, for your consideration. What they were going for was they expected to get, and I think they did get, a Best Visual Effects Oscar nomination. Uh, but what they wound up with uh, was, um, you know, they had to, for publicity reasons, list a bunch of actors, a bunch of, you know, all that kind of thing. These ads are famously hysterical. Uh, you've uh, I, I saw one once for Star Trek Insurrection. <laughs> we can all double back and see my thoughts on that movie. Yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna post like the the Transformers uh, for your consideration ad. Well, at least one. Yeah, of them on the it's not hard to find. No, not on the blog on the website. <laughs> well, yes, but our website is hosted at WordPress, so it would still count. That's true. Still, but anyway, still, still, yes. I prefer to call it the website. <laughs> yes, I like that the website. So let so you have that going that they really are just a so it's a pop, it's it's a popularity contest. Furthermore, a lot of the people that wind up winning, you often wind up having to stop and go, okay, why did these people win? It's rarely actually connected to the best performance. It's often about who is. It's a make make goods are so common in the Oscars. Uh, over and over again, you will see performers or directors even get make good Oscars, where it's like, okay, you haven't won, but you've been nominated so many times. Here, here's an Oscar for your lesser work. Um, right. That ha that happened with Martin Scorsese on um, uh, The Departed. Though I've looked back at the movies of 2006, and I don't know, maybe that would have been the best choice. Yeah, even though The Departed 
is actually pretty phenomenal. That's a good movie. It's a very good movie. I mean, I, I'll be honest and say I haven't really thought that much about it since I saw it, but it is a good movie. I'm not bothered that Scorsese has an Oscar, mind you. I'm just saying, is it, it was, is it obvious that this was a make good because they ignored him over, twice they ignored him over actors, right. famously. Yeah, and that's, speaking of DiCaprio, that's one of the ones where uh, it had three leads, so they didn't nominate, their uh, choice was to not nominate any of them. Yeah. Yeah, that and that was, that was, just, I don't know, I, I don't know that I would have really felt like the acting in that, well, uh, Mark Wahlberg was nominated. Uh, oh, was he? Supporting. Yeah, he was nominated in supporting, and he deserved it, too. He, he does give a good performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his Boston accent in that movie, by the way, is impeccable. It is. That's a, jo- that's a joke. Not that his accent is not that his accent is bad, it's quite the opposite. It's that he can't do anything but a Boston accent. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's a Boston native. Of course. Yeah. Um, I, but, but yeah, um, you see that happen. DiCaprio, of course, has been nominated over and over and over again, though famously not for Titanic. Yeah, that's what's weird. He wasn't nominated for Titanic. He wasn't nominated for Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. Even, even though he probably should have been. Yeah, I would have argued that the, uh, that best actor did go to the correct place for, say, um, you know, I would have argued that Best Actor did go to the correct place the year of Titanic, because uh, Jack Nicholson won for uh, As Good As It Gets. Oh, yeah, God, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, that would have been my vote. That would have been my vote running away. But then you had, uh, with Django Unchained, I love Christoph Waltz, and I thought he was very good in Django Unchained. He wasn't revelatory like DiCaprio. Uh, he should have been nominated. DiCaprio should have been nominated. Uh, so that that's just that, there was just something iffy there um, that bugs me. On the other hand, Vault's winning for uh, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, that was deserved. Mm. Oh my God, that's by the way, that's one of the few times in recent years that I've been like, I've noticed that if there is a category where I'm like, yes, yes, the right people win, it is in supporting uh, actor turns because like J.K. Simmons winning for Whiplash. Oh God, yes, I just yeah. listened to that soundtrack uh, yesterday. <sighs> Again, it's great. I love that movie more than when I saw it in, uh, originally. Because uh, I, according to Time Hop, it was actually two years ago today that I watched it. Um, I love it more now because the more I think about it, the more that it just grows in my estimation. Our friend, uh, uh, who our friend and future guest uh, Sean Higgins said about it. Yeah, it says uh, even though Whiplash won the Oscar for editing, I uh, feel that aspect is still overlooked. Cut like a diamond, it is. Like, it is. Yes. It is. If you, if if it's a movie about timing, you wanted to have precision editing. Oh my yeah, god, it's the best editor. The most. Yeah, it's the most superbly cut film I have ever uh, witnessed, and I thought that from the like from the first time I saw it. Oh yeah, it is. It is. It, that movie really and truly could have won more Oscars, and I would not have griped. Um, God, I love that movie so much. But, like, you had that. You had um, uh, Javier Bardem winning for No Country for Old Men, though I'm going to be getting into that Oscar year uh, at the end of the cast, because uh, I have a lot to say about it. You had um, Heath Ledger winning a posthumous Oscar, one of the very few that we've ever had in our lifetime, by the way, for the, for the Joker in The Dark Knight. You have that going. Yeah, I have heard, like, complaining about that. I've heard a lot of complaining about that. Honestly, I don't 
mind that so much. That Ledger one? Yeah, that Ledger one for that year. Like, oh, it's only because he died. It's like, no, he redefined the role. Here, 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 here's, here's, here's my response to that, and it's really simple. Who would you have had win otherwise? Right, exactly. Who would, we, who would you have had beat him? I don't um, even remember who else was nominated that year. Uh, Josh Brolin was up for, uh, I believe he was, I'm almost certain he was up for uh, Milk. If if it wasn't that year, it would have been the next then. Um, mm-hmm. Milk is fantastic, by the way. If you, if you haven't seen it, that's, I'm going to hold my tongue on it because I got to talk about that one later, actually. Yeah, that's one that I saved from uh, Blockbuster closing, but I still have not watched, which is... God damn it, stop it. Stop everything and do it. It is life-giving. It is, I need to. God, it's, it's so great. Um, I need that right now, actually. <laughs> you may actually need it. Um, I'll, but I'm going to get to that movie later, because I have... Because remember, I have to hit on its genre, so I'm going to... So you have that, that, that you have these movies, you know... Supporting does tend to be there, where you do tend to see people who deserve it winning it. Um, but otherwise, you tend to see in the main categories, you see one of two things happen. You see either newcomers who may or may not stick around win, or you see people getting make-good Oscars. You rarely see someone winning for a performance where you're like, yes, this was the best performance in this year. Like, okay, Daniel Day-Lewis for, uh, his, for his wins. Yeah, he always deserved it. But that's because he's Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, uh, I remember a couple of years ago when we talked about Eddie Redmayne and the Oscar curse? Yeah. Well, his career seems to be doing very well. Yeah, he he seems to be doing fine. He seems to be doing fine. A Dan- Danish girl notwithstanding. Yeah, that's a that's an that's an iffy one. We're... That's kind of a blemish, but Fantastic Beasts, uh his performance was great. Yeah. Cool. It's that's probably the best thing I've seen him do. We I, I, I still say give him a couple years, but you know, You've yeah, seen yeah, people yeah. like Adrian Brody, uh, Halle Berry, Cuba Gooding Jr. is kind of famously remembered uh, for this. Um, Helen Hunt hit it big time. Strangely enough, Kevin Spacey hit it badly after he won his Best Actor Oscar. Mm-hmm. Like, he hit it real bad. Uh, <laughs> you do see that, that, that actors will crash into the rocks a bit after they win an Oscar. Forrest Whitaker went through that, sadly. Um, I, he's only now starting to show some signs that he's getting back up on his feet. So you'll see that, where an actor will win an Oscar, and if they're not in strong enough career footing, they kind of make some really horrible choices and try and take as much money as they can. Um, a lot of times what you see is actors trying to chase th- that again. And so you see that especially with young actors, that they will try because they win so early in their career to prove that they're the real deal, and you wind up taking on some parts you shouldn't take on. Um, I'll be watching Brie Larson very carefully. I, yeah. I worry that she may find herself in that position. Um, it just occurred to me, oh, for a second I said I, I didn't remember who won Best Actor this year, and then I remember, of course I remember who won it. Uh, for the record, I'm not, for the record, I'm not worried about Leonardo DiCaprio getting it, but again, he's a make, he is, he's the other situation. He's the make good situation, where they nominated him over and over again. Did he deserve it for The Revenant? I've heard some say he did. I've heard some say he didn't. He did. <laughs> There's no denying it was definitely a case of, we've nominated you so many times, oops, are bad. 
this year. There's no denying that stink is over that. Um, uh, the, the year before that, uh, Julianne Moore won for a movie that I don't even remember what it was, but she won because it was like, oh, we've nominated her a lot and we've never, we've never given her a win. Oops. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's rough. <laughs> it is rough that they do that. Uh, in Moore's case, she really should have won for uh, Boogie Nights and lost to Kim Basinger for uh, L.A. Confidential. Yeah, I, I, that's all I have to say about that. Basinger was not very good. In, yeah, she she plays a really great tragic figure in uh, Boogie Nights. Uh, it's one of it's 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 an all time great performance for a movie that wasn't even nominated for Best Picture. So, mm. yeah, and that may and that may have been what hurt it. Um, I love that movie so much, though, and I, and we I've talked about that. So you have that issue. Oh yeah. That that they 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 do tend to give these nominations. So you have so many make goods and career wins. But it still sometimes doesn't matter because there is, after all, the legacy of who's been snubbed at the Oscars. And that's what's really frustrating is that you have so many great directors. Seriously, for those who think that uh, an Academy Award is the defining uh, way that directors are defined, here's a list of some directors that don't have Academy Awards. David Fincher has yet to win one. Steven Spielberg didn't win one until uh, 2000 or until 1994. Despite a career that was already being clearly one of the greats, um, Spielberg has won two, for the record, because um, he did win for Saving Private Ryan. You know, so you have that. Um, you have Stanley Kubrick, Alfred Hitchcock, Orson Welles, none of them won Oscars. Robert Altman never won an Oscar for Best Director. To be clear, Welles did have a nomination, did get a win for co-writing uh, Citizen Kane. So, yeah, and this just is, to be clear. This is... Oh, also not including the Lifetime Achievement Oscars, which is the the mega oops. <laughs> yeah, we're we're ignoring the Lifetime Achievement because yeah, because Altman has a, a Lifetime Achievement. Yeah, he yeah he famously got the Lifetime Achievement Award, and during his speech, he's like, "Well, you know, a lot of people say that this means that uh, you know their career is over, and you know, I'm still you know look at me, I'm I'm in the middle of making a movie, and I you know, my career isn't over." And then he was in the memoriam the next year. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, interesting fact, by the way, you know that the studio, in order to make that, in order to make that movie, needed another director on set at all times as a safeguard in case he died. Which movie? Uh, a Prairie oh. Home Companion. A Prairie Home Companion. That's right. Yeah. You know they, they, you know they had to have a director on set at all times in case he died. Really. Here's what's awesome. You know who you know who they had as the director on set at all times. That that was uh, was that uh, the star of the film? No, perchance? it was not. No, it was not. Who? It was Altman's greatest, most famous acolyte of all time. His biggest fan ever, Paul Thomas Anderson, was his on, was uh, on set as an acolyte. Was on set as an insurance because uh, Anderson's uh, partner was in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. So he was kind of already connected to the project, and so he was the standby uh, in case anything happened to Altman. Stanley Kubrick, again, I cannot underline this enough, never won an Oscar. I have a bragging under uh, understory to that, to Altman, I believe. Uh, a couple, a few years ago, at the Kansas City Film Fest, Altman's wife and son, uh, the one who wrote... Uh, who famously wrote the MASH theme, visited, and they brought they they brought 
escorting a match with them. So I got to see MASH in an audience with Altman's widow and son. And I got to meet them, and they're super, super nice. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Altman uh, had... I know he had ties to Kansas City. Uh. Oh, God, yes. He has many ties to Kansas City. My film professor, Dr. Poe, just died. Like, my, like the guy who basically headed the department and is very close to... And his uh, memorial service is on Sunday. But yeah, he he talked at length in... Uh, about uh, Altman's ties to Kansas City, and it's really kind of cool. He even made a film called Kansas City. Yes, he did. He did uh, in '96. Uh, so you have, so yeah. But getting back to it, you do have that fact that you have famous snubs. A lot of great actors never won. Too many, really, to count. Uh, to this day, you have a lot of great actors who've never even been nominated. John Goodman has never been nominated. Ooh, yeah. That is a shame. Goodman is going to be a good place to talk about another issue that the Oscars have. See, I would argue that Goodman does deserve to be nominated this year for 10 Cloverfield Lane. He gives yes. a performance. Have you, you, you did finally get to see that. I did. I, yeah, I saw it a while ago. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I realized again, I'm just now waking up mentally. No, it's, it's good. I'm in the same place. His performance in this movie is astonishing. And it should be a, a shoe-in for Best Supporting Actor. Like, there, sh- there shouldn't even be a conversation about it. It's his definitive role. Yeah, because this... And, it, and it's such a scary performance because it takes his likability and crushes it. It uses it against you. Oh, he's so good in it. He is so good in it. He will not be nominated. Why will he not be nominated? Because it's a genre film. Because it is a sci-fi movie. He will not be nominated. Though that almost feels like a spoiler to say it's a sci-fi movie. But it is a sci-fi yeah. movie. I mean, it's it's made pretty clear early on that it is one. It has Cloverfield in the title. That's a spoiler enough. So seriously, we know that he should be not. So, and that's because the Academy notoriously has a serious bias against genre films. Famously, The Dark Knight was unnominated for Best Picture. Mason, come at me, because I'm going to say it deserved to be nominated for Best Picture. (laughs) Come at me even harder, I'm going to say it deserved to win in 2008. (laughs) Yeah, I still think it deserved Best Picture that year. I still think it deserved it. All the way, I think it deserved it. But yeah, they have a serious bias against it. They have a serious bias against genre films. They won't... Like, Christopher Nolan wasn't even nominated for Inception for uh, Best Director, even though it did get a nomination for Best Picture, because, again, they have the bloat on the categories. They, to to this date, only one fantasy film has ever won Best Picture. Yeah, and that's Lord of the Rings. Yes. Which, I'm not arguing with that one. That, uh, that, that deserves it, even though that wasn't actually my pick for the Best Film of that year. I'm not going to argue with it, just because, hell yeah. What was your pick? Uh, Lost in Translation. Oh yes, of course, yes. Yeah, one of my favorite films. Um, but but it's not it's not like that. So famously, you don't see, you've never seen anybody really win, with the exception of Ledger. People don't win for these movies. Um, they don't. You don't see a lot of nominations. Johnny Depp did get a nomination for for Pirates of the Caribbean. Shit broke the rule, but we have to because yeah. this is important. We have to. This is important. For making my point. Depp did get a nomination, but that's like, these are the exceptions. Um, and if that's bad, comedy has it even worse. Um, 
Because I will point out that at least occasionally you do see uh, things like The Exorcist getting a, a win for Best uh, Adapted Screenplay. Deserved, by the way. Um, deserved. But, you know, comedy has it just about as bad. Um, maybe marginally better, and that's because comedy can be argued as drama under certain circumstances. But, you know, rarely do you see... Com- you might see one or two comedy performances get a nomination for best acting in a given year, and that's it. They'll never win. If you do see people win, they can either excuse it, like uh, Chris Cooper and Catherine Zeta-Jones somehow winning for comedies in the same year, but it was kind of excused away in both cases, with because uh, Cooper won for Adaptation, which he deserved, and then uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones won for uh, Chicago, which, but it was like, oh, that's a musical, that doesn't count. Really? That's Chicago is one of the soundtracks that's on loop uh, for me at the moment. God, I love Chicago so much. Yeah, it's it's, it's so great. I'm going to hold on to Chicago again until the end of the cast because I am going to eventually be getting into what they get right. But, um, mm-hmm. God, at Chicago, that, that sound. But Chicago, yes, it was a musical, but it was a funny musical. It's an extremely funny musical. So I, that year was kind of a weird fluke. Um, but again, you see that. You you see that. That like you'll just see that weirdness there. Uh I don't know. Um, action movies, just you know. Mad Max Fury Road may have cleaned up at the technical categories, but it didn't have a sh- a shot at best picture. Um yeah. just to prove by the way, just how much genres are biased against, uh Guillermo del Toro seemed to be on track to win several for uh Pan's Labyrinth and the movie lost Best Foreign Film, and he lost Best uh, Original Screenplay. He lost Best Original Screenplay to Little Miss Sunshine, can I point out? Ouch. God damn it. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, so so they're very biased against bias, or, or against genre. Uh, famously, E.T. lost Best Picture. Though, can I go on the record and say something I'm not supposed to say about E.T.? Go ahead. I kind of don't think it's all that good of a movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Heresy. I kind of don't. I kind of don't. I, I, I kind of think it's a very clumsily structured film. I kind of think it's all over the place. I, it's atonal. I haven't revisited it since the 20th anniversary special edition that yeah. really on hindsight did not need to exist. Even Spielberg has said that. Yeah, I he has said that. Yeah, he has. Not good. Yeah, it's yeah. Like I still think I've kind of fallen out of out of love with South Park in recent years. But my favorite episode is still Free Hat, where they make extensive fun of. That is a great episode. Yeah, they make extensive fun of the uh, special editions. Yeah, but at least at the very least, he had the decency to when he put it on DVD, he included the theatrical version. Mm-hmm. Or the That's... the original, yeah, yeah. He did not erase it. Never, no. I don't. I don't know. I I don't know. But E.T. is not a movie. But it losing to um, it losing to uh, what you call it uh, to Gandhi has always been cited as something that bugs people. Mm. I will say that uh, I would argue that Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, which I don't even know if that was nominated for Best Picture. I don't think it was. Uh, losing to Chariots of Fire is far worse, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and 
Though I can't be too mad about Jurassic Park not getting nominated because the director did okay that year. Yeah. yeah, That was the year of Schindler's List, so Spielberg did okay at the Oscars. Um, I will say, by the way, that, there are, that in kind of a, a reverse Oscar jinx, um, uh, Ben Kingsley was pretty much unknown for uh, uh, before he did Gandhi. And by the way, if I hear one more person bring him up as an example of whitewashing, I am going to scream. You know, he's listed over and over again as an example of whitewashing because he's not an Indian playing an Indian. Um, yes, he is. <laughs> I yeah, he yeah, definitely is. He's 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 at least he's at least half Indian. Was raised in India, and his real name is Krishna Banji. Oh, that I did not know. He's Indian. He's, <laughs> you know, he may be mixed race, but he's Indian. He was not a bad choice for Gandhi. Damn it. Kingsley, Kingsley kind of falls into that category, though, with uh, Jeffrey Rush, who was also unknown when he won, where it's like, you're too good of an actor not to keep succeeding. Yeah, they're too great not to. I could argue that Rush probably, that both men should have won at least a couple more times. Kingsley, especially for Hugo. God, he's yes. so good in Hugo. By the way, Hugo should have beat uh, The Artist for Best Picture. That's all. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Um, yeah, I probably should have. I Thanks to the Oscars, though, and, you know, an AMC effort. I'm not sure if they really do this anymore, but... They do. They do. Okay, good. Uh, I did get to see both of those in theaters. I saw Hugo in theater after I saw it on video. It's probably the rare time when that happened, but I also saw it in 3D. And let me tell you... That 3D is just... Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that's what you get when you, uh, this is how I imagine Hitchcock uses 3D. That's, yeah, it's, it's what was, well, I mean, there's really no need to even put any metaphors on it. It's what you get no. when Scorsese, Scorsese. You, who killed it. God, it's, that's a movie that I, that's a strange movie in that when I first saw it, I liked it, but I was kind of iffy on it. The more that I think about it, the more that I can remember every frame of it and how much I'm in Oh, God, that's a fantastic movie. I love that movie. Uh, so, yeah. So there's that. Yes, this is a lot of us just going back in and retroactively rewriting the Oscars to how we would have done them. But, I don't know. I don't know. You just, you have that. So I've gotten off track, but let's just get back on track because we really need to start hitting on the two big points because we are going to run up against time. Here's the thing. The, the genre is bad, but genre is nothing compared to two big problems. We're going to start off with what I consider the smaller problem, and then we're going to end on the grand problem. The smaller problem is that they really are ba is that if you're an indie film, it's almost impossible to win. You can win if you have enough backing, and I don't mean an indie film like it's released by Fox Searchlight. Those aren't independent films. Get <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Especially if they were produced in-house. They're not independent films. No. They are boutique films, is what they are. And boutiques can be owned by large chains. That's what these are. Yeah, I always find it hilarious when I... Especially, like, you know, Warner's version of it is Warner Independent. Well, which which they even shuttered because it wasn't making them money. Though, though they did release some good movies that way. Yeah, I do. I do believe uh, uh, Scare Darkly was a Warner Independent. Yes, yes, it was. It was. I'm so glad we got to talk about that one last time. Gotta do love that movie. Um, oh yeah. But like, okay, 
Boyhood was an independent movie because it was truly produced outside the studio system. Birdman was not. No studio would have accepted the the I'm going to shoot this movie over 12 years proposal. Mm. Yeah. On the other hand, you've got um, stuff like Birdman, The Theory of Everything. Oh, wait, I thought of another issue that I'm going to get into. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, insert that one after this one. Um, you've got Birdman. You've got The Theory of Everything. The Danish Girl. These are... These are studio films. Um, let's see. This year's Best Picture winner was Spotlight. That was produced by Sony. Come on. These are these are not independent films. These are dependent films. But if you're, say, a true indie, a movie that's made outside the studio system and you don't have people backing you, it's going to be hard. Uh, there's a real fear that this year, Moonlight may wind up getting overlooked because mm. of that. That's too bad, because I'm hearing nothing but great things. Hearing nothing but great things about that. Um, Locke, a few years ago, was completely overlooked. Um, and that was because there wasn't a studio to campaign for it. It was released by, I, I think, IFC. So no one was backing it. But Tom Hardy really should have been a guarantee for Best Actor. IFC also uh, also released Boyhood. Yeah. Uh, and they, the only reason they were really able to get that one made, get that one the Oscar hype that it did, and the few wins it got, was because they, you know, it was because of the uniqueness of it. That got attention. Yeah. Miramax was not an independent studio during their Oscar heyday. Let's be clear about that. They were always referred to as that, and they would pick up movies for distribution, but they were owned by Disney during their heyday. The Weinsteins, though, now that they're uh, doing their own studio, they are actually independent. They're not doing so well at the Oscars, you may notice. Uh, I don't know. This is just... So, so indies just have a hard time. They have a hard time poking out. And that means that you'll see these movies that are actually considered really great, but because no one can put the behind the money... That's why, that's why like, I think Jennifer Lawrence lost Best Actress for Winter's Bone. Because the studio wasn't backing it. Uh, it got some nominations, but really, she should have won for that. It's, it's, that's still her best work to date. Um, so you have that, that independent films, and we're not even getting into the smaller films that we're not listing, because because no one will back them, no one will get behind them, and they wind up getting lost. Um, there's another problem. What do studios choose to put their money behind? And that's where I'm going to insert here... Another big problem that the studios have, which is their love of biopics. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to go off on a rant here about biopics, if I may. To everybody who is blown away by biopic performances, you need to be smacked upside the face and have someone scream in your face, Stop being so easily impressed! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, stop falling for this. It is a three-card Monty trick that you're falling for. I hate biopics. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't great ones. There are. But in general, biopic acting, which tends to clean up at the Oscars, is the easiest, safest performance in the world. Why? Because you already have footage to work from. Yeah. You already have footage to work from, so as an actor, you can base your performance on that. And when you get right down to it, it's when pe when a famous person wins for playing a famous person, it's because we're impressed by the novelty of it. Uh, the antithesis to that 
is probably the the ones that make the best biopics are the ones where we don't have the reference, like Lincoln. Agreed. Agreed. I actually like the uh, imitation game quite a bit more than most people. Yeah. Because it, it because you do see Benedict Cumberbatch giving a unique, interesting performance. It's a pretty good movie. It's got all kinds of problems, but it's a pretty good movie. Um, but like Eddie Redmayne winning best, and I know I'm still kind of like sticking on those Oscars. It's because the 2014 Oscars were really screwed up, really, mm-hmm. really screwed up. So that's why I'm being so critical of them. They were. But like, okay, Boyhood should have won more than it did, and Birdman should have won best actor. Um. Yes. Though again, though again, Tom Hardy should have won for Locke, but wasn't even nominated. Um, right. I guess it's also partially because we can't really assess the impact of last year's Oscars yet. You need right. a, about a year's worth of space to really assess the impact. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the the the, the you know the er example, of course, is Ray. Jamie Foxx should not have won for Ray at all. Uh, that Oscar should have gone. Yes, to another biopic, because that's all Hollywood was making at that time. But it should have gone to DiCaprio for The Aviator, where he played a a man who wasn't even, who was a recluse, who wasn't even someone we have much, if any, footage of. Yeah. DiCaprio's performance as Howard Hughes was an actual performance. Um, I really do get tired of biopics, because it is so easy. Oh, wow, there's Kate Blanchett doing Catherine Hepburn. One of our greatest actresses is playing one of our greatest actresses. It's a novelty. And Blanchett is good in it, don't get me wrong, but she's always good. She's always good. So, so what that these people are winning these awards? So what? I, I, come on. Um, of course, there's the famous example. Um, seriously, Ray is such, did you even see it? I saw Ray. Do you even remember it? I remember bits. That's how I feel about it, is it's like, I remember bits of it. On the other hand, I saw Collateral even earlier in the year. I remember everything about that. Oh, God, yes. I also saw Walk the Line. Yeah, pretty much the same movie. Yeah, that's another problem. Biopics tend to mold people's lives into the same movie. To the point where it gets really awkward. Like, Ray tried to craft a love story... In reality, Ray Charles was just a serial womanizer, and they more or less built up an amalgamation of women. I will uh, say, I will say that Walk the Line doing a love story as its center is fine, because that really was Johnny Carter and June Carter Cash's life. Yeah. Th- that really was them. But even that was still taking tremendous liberties to mold them into the most generic story. This is why Walk Hard was so important, because it was the... Because it was finally the movie industry stopping and saying, Bullshit. Mm-hmm. God bless it for that. It was the movie industry stopping and saying, Bullshit. It still holds up. Even though it was making fun of those two specific films, it still holds up. Well, it holds up because the jokes are funny in and of themselves in it. Um, ironically, it stars a man who had been nominated for an Oscar uh, beforehand. Uh, John C. Riley, who... Has given many great performances before. Will give gave many per- great performances since, and will continue to be great. I bless John C. Riley. He's one you can tell that takes that takes on roles because he thinks like they will be fun. Mm-hmm. Like Guardian, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy and Wreck It Ralph, and just anything you see him in. The Will Ferrell collaborations. You can tell he has a great time working with Ferrell. 
mm-hmm. you can tell that they bounce off of each other so well. Uh, they are planning on doing at least one more entry together, by the way, which is good because though I don't like Step Brothers that much, uh, his, his role on Tim and Eric is a great uh, example of that. Like his, it's probably the best part of that show. Yeah, so that show was kind of hit and miss anyway. But then he uh, he likes doing that so much that uh, he agreed to do a mini series. Just That's with awesome. that character. Yeah. Just, I love what he does. And, and and the fact that he can just give such hysterical performances and yet be then so amazing in something like Chicago. Yeah, I just love Riley. I'm, I, I've got... Ugh. Chicago is the first place I noticed him. Ironically, in a in a song called Cellophane Man. I, I, for me, it's of course going to be Magnolia. Of course. Yeah. But... God. Though he should not have won for that movie because we've already established what should have happened with that movie. Oh, yeah. How the hell did they miss that? That was like, you know what? The only reason that Tom Cruise lost that was because the uh, Weinsteins campaigned so much harder for uh, the Cider House rules. Otherwise, Tom Cruise really should have won for Magnolia. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I got to get off that one. But seriously, you see that that just stop falling for biopics stop being impressed stop being so easily amazed at these one of the f- the few biopics that i like are the ones that actually do try to be something more like capote is really good because it's sort of a because it's about hey it's about something that i'm fascinated by because in cold blood is a masterpiece and it's about the writing of that so it doesn't tell a cradle to the grave story it does tell just a single moment in truman capote's life and then it also serves as a meditation on the fact that Capote was someone who was a caricature. And it searches for the humanity inside of the caricature. So it's a different kind of biopic performance. I'm okay with Hoffman having one for that, because that, that's a cool performance. But otherwise, stop being impressed. Stop falling for it. It's a trick. You all should be ashamed of yourselves for... And that goes for viewers, seriously. The next time you watch a biopic... Seriously, stop and understand that. The the great movies based on true stories are the ones that don't follow that formula. Captain Phillips, United 93, one's not directed by Paul Greengrass, um, Apollo 13. Yeah, and those are all, you know, sure we might have reference to the real people, but at the same time, you know, we don't know them as well before the movies, so... I don't know. Uh, Apollo 13 is still one of my all-time favorite films, so... Oh, God, uh, yes. Yeah. But, but but you know what's interesting about those movies is they're also all movies that were meticulously researched. Um, okay, come to think about it, if it's a biopic that uh, Billy Ray wrote, because uh, he did Captain Phillips, Shattered Glass, and Breach, yeah, those you can probably take seriously. Those you can take to the bank, because uh, those are great. Um, uh, I will say two films that are made better by reading the book before or after... Apollo 13 and October Sky. Yeah, because those movies actually followed those books, aside from October Sky, inserting a monstrous deviation from reality. Oh, God, did that movie insert a mega deviation from reality. What'd they they add? When he goes to work in the coal mine, that never happened. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's almost a... If that movie wasn't so great, that would be a breaker for me. Uh, Yeah. It is a great movie, though. Um... But one thing I will say is, I did briefly mention Milk. That was another one where they worked so hard on the research to get it right. 
Um, to the point where there's even a scene in that movie that I thought was unrealistic where there's a disabled kid that uh, Milk tries to save the life of. And he later runs into him uh, at a party and he's like, because of you talk to me, I was able to get some of my friends to help me run away because he was disabled and his parents were uh, furious because he was gay. I thought that was ridiculous and ludicrous. And it was the one scene in the movie that took me out of it. And then I read but the bio. But it really happened. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that actually happened. Um, wow. There's a, here's the thing. It's not that all bi- movies based on true stories are bad. Milk is great. 127 Hours is... Wow. Oh my God, that movie is great. <laughs> I still have yet to see it. You know, it's strangely one of the greatest feel-good movies that I've ever seen, even though it has one of the most graphic shots you're ever going to see in a movie. Feel-good, you say? Yes, it's feel good. Holy I kid you shit. not. It's feel good. <laughs> wow. Well, here's the key. It ends. Right. You know it's not going to end with the guy dying. I mean, he has to do something horrible to save his life, but he lives. That's feel good. Otherwise, we would not have this story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that movie. That's that's an awesome movie. But again, these are good movies. Um, so I'm not saying that they're automatically bad, but I'm just saying stop falling for it. But let's get into the real controversy that everybody's been waiting for us to get to. You had you went two years, twenty nominations for acting, uh, in uh, uh, each year. So that's forty nominations for acting, forty slots for acting nominations. Not a single one wasn't a white person. Yeah. Oscar's so white. This is the Oscar's big problem. And it's a problem that, if you stop and look at it, penetrates everything that we've discussed before. Genre films tend to be a little bit more diverse. You, though not, not, not too much, but still a little bit more. Um, yeah. You tend to see uh, foreign films are, of course, always going to get overlooked unless it's European. So, you know, you'll see like French or people like that win. But, you know, uh, if they speak, uh, they speak an Asian tongue, that ain't going to happen. Yeah, which is why House of Flying Daggers uh, was just shamefully. Ugh, I don't even want to think about what that movie didn't get. Mm -hmm. That's a good one, by the way. If you haven't seen that one, uh, you need to see it. Um, So, you know, there's the fact that, okay. Um, 12 Years a Slave might have won uh, Best Picture, but its black director was conspicuously overlooked. Like, at all? Like, he wasn't even nominated? He was, well, he was nominated, but he didn't win. Right. You will, as I said, last year we had, you, you have 10 acting slots, you have 20 acting slots in every year, and they didn't manage to nominate. Uh, last year was really pathetic, because you had a raft of people that could have been nominated. Uh, Michael B. Jordan wasn't nominated. Idris Elba wasn't nominated. These are stars, by the way. So many great actors that could have been nominated. And they were completely shut out at the Oscars. Uh, Creed, which was so universally beloved, only got a nomination for its white supporting actor. Ew. Yeah. Ew. He didn't win, by the way. He didn't win. Which is actually a shame. He would have been nice if he had one. But that's just it. Over and over and over again, you see this, that the Oscars, 
that they are very white and they're very straight too. They're very cis-sexist. Um, oh sure, you can win for playing a trans person, but you can't actually be a actor. This is my chance to go off on, um, I know that uh, I don't want to run this too long, yeah, but Jared I have to go Leto. off on Dallas Buyers Club and especially Jared Leto. First of all, Dallas Buyers Club is a piece of shit. It is a piece of garbage. Um, it lies so much about what really happened. Uh, Jared Leto's character was an invention for the movie, for the record. He was an invention for the movie. Yeah. <sighs> Leto joined a grand tradition of people like Felicity Huffman uh, and uh, John Lithgow, who were nominated for playing trans people, but, you know, of course, were not trans people. This is... This is no. No. And, like, for instance, the big lie that uh, Dallas Buyers Club has as, at its center is that, by all accounts, the, cent the main figure of the film was bisexual and was nothing like how he was portrayed. The movie makes him the most masculine straight guy ever. Ugh. And that's not even getting into the fact that it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. And Leto is pretty awful in it. But he won because it was so impressive that he... No, no, it was not. It was a trashy movie. It was a trashy performance. And nominating him sent the message that trans people aren't really trans, aren't really people. Um, I'm going to stop real quick and look at, at something for the Emmys because there is something I want to point out. Because let's face it, the Emmys are nobody's idea of getting it right, but they at least do, uh, they at least do reward people of color. For what it's worth, um, I'm checking to see because I'm almost sure about this that, um, I mean, I'm just going to point out that They've even that the uh, that the Emmys have even nominated a trans woman, a black trans woman at that, for um, supporting actor uh, mm -hmm. Laverne Cox for Orange Is the New Black. Just to be clear, I was using actor in the generic general sense. Of course, I intend to use. Of, of course, Cox is a phenomenal actress, and I think it's awesome that she has had the success she's had. But I'm just saying, when the Emmys are lapping you on progressiveness, this whole Oscar so white thing is a problem. Because they've given a... Okay, the Emmys managed to get an award to Viola Davis after the Oscars have blown several chances to do so. Because she's been nominated multiple times. And it's widely felt should have won. Mm -hmm. But the two times that she was considered a frontrunner, she conspicuously lost. So uh, that may not happen this year. Yeah. She is considered having a good shot. Uh, this is the year that the, that the onus is really on the Oscars. I would virtually guarantee we're going to see at least one person of color win. Uh, an acting Oscar, maybe more, and we may. And if Moonlight does wind mm -hmm. up winning the awards it's felt it deserves, that'll be because of this. It'll be mm -hmm. because people got mad. You know, and it's one of those things that I think Chris Rock made several jokes on uh, the Oscar so white thing, and it's, he got he got flack for it. But at the same time, it's like, well, he's bringing it up. But here's the thing: his entire thing there felt like them trying to be apologetic for it, and. That's not okay. So yeah, it is not. It's like okay, you know how you could apologize for it? Fix it. Have some. Yeah, fix it. Have some. Have some people of color. That's win. all you have to do. But I will say, if I and I'm going to change the angle a little bit here, and one other thing that I have to hold the Oscars accountable for is this: if they were rewarding people that truly deserved it, I would think that was okay. But they're not. They're 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 not. They're not. Con giving Roman Polanski an Oscar after he had been convicted of sexual assault. No. Ew. 
and and I'm only saying that because I'm not I, I'm pretty sure he was convicted of rape of an underage girl. Yeah. Giving him an Oscar, you should have been ashamed of yourselves. Look for look for the article. Look for my article on uh, problematic uh, on separating the art from the artist. Continuing to worship Woody Allen long after it's become clear a that he's washed up, b that he's a monster. I mean, okay, we can argue all day long about did he actually do some of the things that he's accused of. I don't know. But I know that I can go on the behavior that we have evidence for, which is that he is obsessed with young women. He perpetually cast himself uh, as a love interest to young women up until, you know, over and over again. He married a much younger woman. We know that he has issues. And there are countless stories. There is a ton of smoke. Yes. Oh, and I'm just going to say this right now. If Casey Affleck does indeed win uh, an Oscar, despite the horrible stuff that's known about him, which I do take seriously, and I'm just going to say right now, if you settle a lawsuit... What's going on with Casey Affleck? He's been accused of violent sexual harassment. Look it up. He's been accused of a lot of stuff. Now, he settled these lawsuits, to be clear. I don't look well on people that settle lawsuits like this. No. You know, everybody always says... Everybody always uses the false accusations. Well, I'm here, I'm going to turn that on its head. and This will be controversial, but I don't, I don't give a shit. I wonder about people that settle lawsuits like that. I do. So if they do indeed do so and ig- ignoring, but it's because the acting is so great, then you know what? You're just reinforcing what I believe about you. Right. Maybe the acting is great. I don't know. I have no interest in seeing the film he's nominated for. It looks like white person garbage. And that's just it. They give awards over and over again to the whitest white people movies. I brought up Little Miss Sunshine. My God, that movie is whiter than cream cheese on mm-hmm. American cheese on top of buttered toast. That is the whitest goddamn movie. Yeah. It's not a good movie. It's it's a movie that's redeemed somewhat by its acting, but barely. That's not a good movie. That's not a good movie. I kind of hate that movie, honestly. Yeah. Because it's so saccharine and maudlin and it tugs at you. Ugh. And it won Best Original Screenplay, beating out Guillermo del Toro for Pan's Labyrinth. So, here is, here is, so here's the thing. They make all these things wrong. They get all this stuff wrong. Let's talk about some of the things they have gotten right. They have awarded people who deserved it, at times. Sometimes performances are just too good. The Coen brothers have several Oscars. That's awesome. I'm fine with that. Rachel Weisz winning for The Constant Gardener was awesome, even if she won for the wrong category. She should have won for Best Actress for that. She won Best Supporting Actress. I'm fine with that. Spike Jones has an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, he, and it's a deserved Oscar. He won uh, Best uh, Original Screenplay for uh, her. That's that's fine. I don't like the movie very much, but uh, I know that everybody loves Almost Famous, so Cameron Crowe did win an Oscar for that. Steven Soderbergh has an Oscar. That's cool. I, I can't grab yeah. about that, you know. <laughs> I mean, there are great artists. Danny Boyle has an Oscar for the for the wrong movie, I think. Uh, I, I think Slumdog Millionaire is actually one of his lesser movies. I don't hate that movie, but I don't I don't love it that much, frankly. You know, as I said, there are good movies. There there are good there there are times that the right people win. Uh Tilda Swinton has an Oscar. How awesome is that? Yeah, and she won for the right movie, too, because she won for, uh, it's funny, she always is known for these, like, transformative weird roles that she plays, 
She went for Michael Clayton, mm -hmm. where she's not doing any makeup, no androgyny, no weird tricks of performance. It's a very straightforward performance. And she won for that. That's that's kind of cool in my book. And that's, Michael Clayton is a goddamn amazing movie. I love that movie so much. Um, I'm working on my yearbook 2007 entry, and that's not my number one film for that year, but it's close. My number one film for that year was No Country for Old Men. So, oh, yeah, that movie that movie deserves its Oscar. So there are great movies that win. I do, even though I wish that animation would get out of the ghetto, having best animated film is a good thing. And the nominations frequently do call attention to good animated movies. So there's that. There is good. But those are, I don't know. Anything you want to say about the Oscars? I, I followed up a year. I don't know. I don't have, like, I don't really have any means to watch it this year. Also, I'll probably be at work, so, well, no. Because it airs on Sunday night. You know what? No, I I will be I will be over at my parents' house. That's where I watched it last year. Um, but yeah, I mean I do follow it every year because it is and it is fun to do your picks and to see if you're right and to see if and possibly when they will fuck it up. But you know, it's 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 just one of those things that is. It's a thing. It's there. Uh, just just like... I just view it as just like box office is really not an uh, indicator for the longevity of a movie. Neither really is the Oscars, even though it has more influence. And that's really the, the point. That's really the, the best point that can be made. At the end of the day, longevity is what determines everything. Right. It's what lasts in the canon. And that's what matters. So, yeah. Let's talk briefly before we go about the Razzies. The Razzies are worse than the Oscars. The Razzies are so much worse than the Oscars. I was wondering when we were going to get to that. <laughs> Garbage. Let's just get... Let's. But I'm not going to spend very much time on them because they don't deserve it. Giving them publicity is shameful. The Razzies are even worse about seeking publicity. The Razzies are desperate for, for publicity, so they love to do shocking things. If someone is unpopular, they'll nominate them. They'll make a big deal about what they... They are the lowest common denominator of insult comedy. So, yeah, don't. that's all I have to say about them. I'm not even giving them credit for anything that they've done right. They're awful. If the yeah. Razzies were truly fair, some of the performances that get Oscar nominations would be nominated at the Razzies. Because the bloated stuff is what really needs criticizing. But no. Mm -hmm. No, no. They, they just go with the safe, easy choices over and over again. Yeah, haha, ha, you hate Michael Bay. Get over it. Not not groundbreaking. Not groundbreaking. You know, Bay has actually made a good film here and there, so... Seriously, Pain and Gain is fantastic. Still haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good, it's so good. Dwayne Johnson is revelatory in it. So, yeah, so that's how I feel about them, is... I, I've said all... I've said too much about them. They suck. You could have ended that sentence with Dwayne Johnson is re revelatory, and it would have still made sense. Yeah. I've said enough I have to say about the Razzies. Forget them. And so these are our thoughts on the Oscars. And in general, here's how I feel about ranking stuff, uh, about ranking art. I think it's ridiculous. It is. I think ranking art is ridiculous. I have a favorite movie, but then I have an amorphous blob of movies beneath that. I don't take my ranking seriously. I don't. Yeah, art, art is very subjective. Yeah. So let's just, let's just not. 
the creation is subjective and the appreciation of it is very subjective. Just just watch just watch uh Exit Through the Gift Shop for a good example of that. It's it's a strange thing when we try to when we try to unify this stuff, but I don't know. So I don't know what we're gonna be doing next time. I, I don't have a clue what we're gonna be doing next time. Uh Yeah, I don't know. This is this is one that's going to be released. This will probably be the first of the year. Yeah, y'all will y'all will hear from us when you hear from us. Uh, but let's th- let's thank our patrons. Thank you, Daisy, Sheila, uh, Barack. It's probably switching the order up. Sometimes I do leave out people, and I do apologize for that. Uh, Bar- Barack, I'm sorry. I think we've left you out once or twice. We're so sorry. Yes. She's been so great about hyping us. Oh yeah, she has. <laughs> And she's a great, a great Twitter follow as well. Yeah, she is. If you want a feed that will really make you think, and I'm not saying that with even the vaguest sense of sarcasm, if you want a feed that will make you think, go to hers. She's great. Yeah. And also, of course, Sean from Notoli and uh, Bridget. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and you can find us at thefilmroom.org, period. Thefilmroom.org. That we have all our contact info on there. Everything is there. We will talk to y'all later. Later, guys. Will Ferrell. A comedian at the Oscars, the saddest man of all. Movies may make millions, but your name they'll never call. I guess you don't like laughter, and a smile brings you down. A comedian at the Oscars is the saddest, bitterest alcoholic clown. Jack Black! When you took off your pants And you ran around that racetrack And you did that silly dance What did you think? I thought they'd love me What did you think? That you could change their wicked game? Did you think when you made Anchorman They wouldn't call it lame? What did you think? I thought I'd get to have dinner With Jeremy Hyers Tonight, but we shall win the ultimate fight. And I'm not speaking in a metaphor. I mean, literally, I am going to fight the nominees. I like the way you're talking. I'm hey, sick of this crap. Leo, you think you can date supermodels and win awards? I'm going to elbow you in the larynx. Ryan Gosling, you're all hipping now. Well, I'm going to break your hip right now. Hey, Peter O'Toole. You're all legendary in English. I don't care. I'm going to beat you down with my Nickelodeon award. Mark Wahlberg, where are you? I won't mess with you. You're actually kind of badass. Once again, I hope we're cool. You are very talented. And Helen Mirren, you are just hot. What party are you going to? Fellas! Fellas! Check! Riley! Riley!
Herod, this madness must stop. There is no need to fear. You can have your cake and eat it too. Just look at my career. I didn't cry in the blues. I didn't pick silly fights. I chose to be in both boogie and Talladega nights. right. I'm gonna reread that script about the guy who gets lead poisoning and then sues a major corporation. There's not a laugh in there! Yes! And I'm gonna take that project about the guy with no arms and legs who teaches gangbangers Hamlet! No, but tough! I'm gonna lose 40 pounds to play Ralph Nader! I'm gonna do that gay cold line and film with James Spader! So Anthony Hopkins, you can laugh, but someday soon 